Well, folks, Gunyiri and Ta Lipsha Agus Shavar Waha Tasilagomsa Maris Gra Gawel Shibsha Gumoy Shaw Jerry Adams. This is Jerry Adams once again on our little podcast. And yesterday on Saturday, a crowd of us assembled at the GPO and we joined the Moore Street Tour at the invitation of our host, Adrian Dunbar, well-known actor and activist. And the tour was organised by the Moore Street Preservation Trust as part of the campaign to save Moore Street, but also to ensure that the entire quarter, the Moore Street battlefield site, is developed and the Moore Street Preservation Trust has a brilliant plan to do this and only the developer and a really uh, complicit developer-friendly government and successive governments in Dublin are stopping that from going forward. So the, the significance of Moore Street is that the garrison from the GPO, after they abandoned it when it was set ablaze on Friday evening, April the 28th, 1916, the garrison made their way to the terrace of houses and tunneled their way in and up to between 10 and 25 Moore Street. They occupied it and <clears throat> number 16 was the last headquarters of the leaders of the Rising and Sean McDermott, Podrick Pierce, Joseph Plunkett, James Connolly and Tom Clark met and came to the reluctant conclusion that surrender was the only choice open to them to avoid further loss of life. And Saturday's tour recalled those historic events. As well as Adrian Dunbar and our, our faraday was Michal McDonagha, Councillor Michal McDonagha, and Rooney of the Moore Street Preservation Trust. We had several actors playing the parts of Podrick Pierce and of Nurse Elizabeth O'Farrell, and Honor O'Brellahan, a relative of Joseph Plunkett, one of the executed leaders, told the story as we all walked together along Moore Street. Now, the campaign has been long and it has been difficult and the, the developers have very deep pockets and successive Irish government have supported their proposals to build a big shopping mall uh, along O'Connell Street and doing away with most of uh, Moore Street. But there has been a, a great battle, relatives of the signatories of the proclamation, relatives of those who fought in the GPO, uh, all support efforts to create a cultural quarter, a historic quarter, a 1916 quarter in these laneways of history to protect and preserve for the future this unique part of Dublin. And this will be economically very, very good for that part of the inner city and for the city in general. It will be good for tourism. It will be good for educational purposes and for the local community. And it will also be a fitting tribute to the men and women of 1916. 
And the, the relatives have said, it is not for one generation to give away or to be left at the mercy of a developer's wrecking ball. And in recent weeks, the campaign has had several very notable successes. At the beginning of uh, the month, Dublin City Councillors voted unanimously to add key buildings on Moore Street associated with the 1916 rising to the record of protected structures. The developer, Hummerson, claimed that it would be inappropriate and unlawful for the council to do this. But the councillors quite rightly rejected Hummerson's claim and voted to give full protection to numbers 10 and 20 and 21 Moore Street and partial protection to other important buildings number 14, 15, 16 and 17 are part of the National Monument and are already protected, although the government has left them in a very distressing state of decay. And the decision by the Council, by Dublin City Council, also exposes the outrageous decision by on board Planala, the party responsible for planning decisions, to refuse an oral hearing on the many appeals that have been lodged against its decisions to grant permission for the Hammerson plans. And in a further endorsement of the stand taken by the Moore Street Preservation Trust and by relatives of those who fought in 1916, Fingal County Council also recently unanimously called for the creation of a Moore Street Historical Cultural Quarter and backed the Preservation Trust alternative plan for the area. And the motion recognises Moore Street as the site of the last headquarters of the Easter Rising and a site of national historical importance that's deserving of regeneration as a cultural historical site. So the battle to save the 1916 Moore Street Battlefield site continues and is growing in strength. More and more people want to see this area developed as a historic quarter, which would be of huge uh, educational, economic and social significance to the people of Dublin's inner city, to the capital, to the nation, to the diaspora, and also, as I've said, to the heroism of the men and women of 1916. So if you want to save Mercy, if you want to see it developed as a historical quarter, write to on Taoiseach at michal.martin at aractus.ie or to the Department of Antishock, Marion Street, Balliaclea, number two. And after the Mur Street tour on Saturday, there is the Roof Rally, raised the roof in protest at the government's disgraceful, despicable and shameful failure to deal with the homelessness crisis. To uh, another issue, one that I've dabbled with a wee bit in the past, the, the English that we use in Ireland is Hiberno-English and we use Irish language constructions a lot as well as many Irish words and words based on Irish words. Way back in the day, as part of the colonisation of our island, of our island people, London tried to destroy our native culture, our music, our dance and our language. And they failed. And we hibernized the language they forced on us. And in Ulster, there's also a Scots influence. Different locations right across the island have their own local phrases or words. And native place names are special. I love that. Dialects are all part of the colour and fabric of dialogue. 
Many of the words or phrases involved are dying out. For example, the names of farm implements or other tools which are no longer in use as farming became mechanised in recent times. Similarly, with city living and the construction of modern housing and the provision of indoor toilets, bathroom, kitchens and so on. There's no more going out to the yard for the toilet or to the scullery to cook the grub. And the advent of television also meant some people converse less. This has been accelerated recently with the widespread use of social media. Communications are now accessible to almost everyone, and this is good. But traditional storytelling and the use of the spoken spoken word is less prevalent. Now, I've been thinking of some words which I used to hear widely used when I was a wee buck. I remember as a young and reluctant scholar, efforts being made to standardise the English we used, and this included at St Mary's Grammar School. We were being taught to be lawyers and accountants, civil servants and teachers. So BBC standard English was required. I failed to qualify for any of these positions. And for its part, the BBC frowned on local dialects. But there were ways people there too, mostly on the wireless. Mostly men, you may notice, but that also was a mark of the time. Michael J. Murphy, Sam Hannibal, Tony McCauley, Jimmy Young, Joe Tomaldi, Davy Hammond, Seamus Heaney, Michael Longley, all kept old words alive. So did the many fine Irish language poets and storytellers. And before them, Alice Milligan, Francis Joseph Bigger, William Luton, Carl O'Byrne, Florence M. Wilson, Brian Freel, William Marshall, Robert Bunting, Robert McAve, Cardinal Thomas Sophie and others made their mark. So here's a sample of some words which were widely used when I was younger. And in future columns or future podcasts, I may add to this list. And I welcome any suggestions that you may have. So here we go. We buck. Young boy. Also a gasson or a cub. A wean. A youngster. Barge. To give off. Also, I'm told, a boisterous woman. Beeling. A cut which is discharging pus. Blurt. A harmless person, a foolish person. Scundered. Embarrassed. Pockle. An awkward person. Amadon. A fool. Glipe. Just check out Blurt. Gansey. A sweater or a GA sports top. Togs. Sports shorts, including swimming togs, boil, an abscess, bannock, an oat loaf, bravely, in good health, he's, he's doing bravely, they used to say, polis, police, bray, a hill, a sprazzy was a sixpenny coin, oxter was an armpit, a chomp, cream potatoes and scullions mixed together. Back in the day, this used to be the main meal, now it's a Side dish. A clegg. A clegg was a blood-sucking fly. Jiffy. Probably from the Irish word jeffer. A short period of time. Be back in a jiffy. Geek. To look at. Taking a wee geek. He took a wee geek, geek at me. Hallion. A messer. Cow's clap. Dung. Quir. There's actually no literal meaning for quir. It may be derived from the English word queer 
but it doesn't mean gay. And it's usually used as queer and big or queer and soft or as in the uh, Brendan Behan's play, The Queer Fellow, Don or Thonder, which is yawn or yonder, as in Don one or over Thonder. It's hard to say that. Fernenced, beside as in Fernenced the Wall or opposite as in Fernenced me, Teeman, pouring with rain, gurning, crying or complaining, gonch, a loudmouth, dig, a punch, a fair dig, a fair fight, a dig in the bake, a punch in the face, gob, mouth, bake, face. Sometimes bake is also used to describe a mouth. <coughs> Snutters, nose snut, slobber, a loud mouth, slobbering, offensive loud talk, idiot, an idiot, melt, and I don't know, I can't figure out the exact meaning of this, but when there was a build-up of a, a fight between boys, the term, I'll knock your melt in, was often used. Scalp, a wee splinter of wood. I have a wee scalp on my finger. Stumor, a useless person. Tube, same as a stumor. So, Shane, August, Mila, Mila, Buehas, and I thought I would go out with a barn brack. When I was a lad, Margulior, Gunyurianta, Libsha, Chipe, Me, Shibsha, Arish, Ah, Mor, Orov. Rows of back to back houses covered in smoke and grime, children skipping in the street and washing on the line. Scarf tucked down your jersey to keep you from the cold I wore a woolly balaclava when I was nine years old When I was a lad, neighbours were neighbours When I was a lad, doing you favours People giving people a hand no matter how small When I was a lad, dolly mixtures When I was a lad, Saturday pictures When I was a lad, those were the greatest days of all School from Monday to Friday, I learned to read and write. Grandad sitting on the doorstep in the fading light. Tin bath hanging from a six-inch nail, lino on the floor. Lavatory out in the backyard, sit with your foot against the door. When I was a lad, neighbours were neighbours. When I was a lad, doing you favours. People giving people a hand, no matter how small. When I was a lad, dolly mixtures When I was a lad, Saturday pictures When I was a lad, those were the greatest days of all Times were hard in winter, but mother kept us fed All night huddled round the fireside, overcoats on the bed We were a great big family we all stepped head to toe In a big brass bed up in the back room It seemed so long ago When I was a lad Neighbours were neighbours When I was a lad Doing you favours People giving people a hand No matter how small When I was a lad Dolly mixtures When I was a lad 
Saturday pictures when I was alive, those were the greatest days of all. When I was alive, neighbors were neighbors, when I was alive, doing you favors, people giving people a hand, no matter how small. When I was alive, jolly mixtures, when I was alive, Saturday pictures, when I was alive, those were the greatest days of all. When I was alive, those were the greatest days.